Our lives intersect the lives of other people, groups, or even whole governments. What happens next is what I explore in this podcast. Welcome to Intersections. I'm Brett Dickerson, your host. I am interviewing Dennis Spielman this morning, uh, and welcome to the Intersections podcast. Dennis, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty great. All right. Well, Dennis, uh, tell us a little bit about what you do. When, when somebody get on the elevator, I like to have people give their elevator pitch. I'm a writer and filmmaker that just creates, showcases creative places and people throughout Oklahoma while writing uh, also adventurous nonfiction story. <laughs> yes, I looked on your website this morning, you know, to research this this ahead of time, and you are a very active creator and and creative. Um, let's let's just start with with the the closest thing on the timeline, which is the forty eight hour film festival. You just finished that, didn't you? Yes, yeah, we just. Uh, it was actually my first year doing the 48-hour film festival. I've, I've heard about it for a couple of years. I've just never been able to actually do it because of work and everything. Right. Uh, but now that uh, some changes have happened, and I actually was able to pull it, do it this year. Yeah, yeah, and it looks it looks like you guys really. I mean, how much how much sleep? You know, I, I keep hearing people talk about sleep. You know, they they don't get very much sleep during the forty eight hour film festival. Tell us, tell us how that process works, because some of our listeners might not know how that works. We are probably like one of the exceptions to that whole sleep thing. Like, <laughs> one of the things, like I, I set off, like when I started this project, it's like, all right, like we are not going to like kill ourselves making yeah, a film yeah. like like the latest we stayed up was like on friday night uh we get all our basically our story and everything was around seven o'clock we got basically our materials where our subject was uh, so then we went down to pellington wine bar and automobile alley and we just kind of hashed out a script and we were there probably till uh, we were around eleven thirty is when we finished our script Okay, let me let me just kind of interrupt you there. So the so the process, just tell us about how the forty eight hour film festival works. Okay, how does that work anyway? How do you know what to make a film on? Do you come in there with a film already made or or, or something like that? Yeah, uh, the, the way the forty eight hour film festival works, for those who aren't familiar, uh, it basically you you can't really. The only thing you can pre do is like gather on your team, maybe figure out a few just general locations to have in mind you can't do anything like creative like script writing or anything like that you just gotta basically have like some actors maybe some crew maybe a few locations that's really about all you can do uh because when you show up uh you are uh everyone is giving the exact same line for this year it was um i have a surprise for you uh then you're also given like uh everyone's also given the same character which is um uh, which is like a, essentially a male or female name, uh, so you can play with either or, and that character also has a sort of a personality trait or right. a job. This year it was illustrator, and then you have a kind of a vague prop to use. So for this year it was an auto part. And then 
each group uh, gets to draw to genres, and they can be a variety, not just, you know, your sci-fi, your romance. Um, for example, we got, uh, I pulled Coming of Age and Buddy Film. <laughs> so, you know, it's not your, you know, so it, it's... So you can take your choice between the two genres. Yeah, so you can kind of, com- okay. you can even combine the two. Yeah. But essentially, you kind of narrow it down to one, like you say... You know, if it was like a buddy film, uh, buddy film coming of age, we would say it was more buddy film, you know, on the final project. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, or you can go straight buddy film or straight comedy of it, coming of age or whatever your genre was. Okay, but you, but you can kind of kind of bleed one way or the other yes. onto the other one then if you want. Yes. to, right. So you have a little more flexibility there, but it, it, there's just the whole the whole deal is you can't come in there way prepared that's that's nope. really a test of your ability to pull your crew together and get that all done in 48, in 48 hours. hours yes yeah when you don't really know what you're going to be doing the film. Mm-hmm. exactly yeah and then basically on sunday evening uh, around seven o'clock is you know when you're supposed to show up uh, at the paramount which is where we started at yeah and drop off all your materials all your signed paperwork and copy of your film <laughs> and then, and then it's going to uh, be revealed. Then they're going to show those films at the farmers market on what what day? Uh, Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. So people can search Forty Eight Hour Film Festival in o- in Oklahoma City. Forty Eight Hour Film Project. Tickets, yeah. Right? Forty Eight Hour Film Project. Yeah. Dead Center. Dead Center kind of pulled that together. Are they Are they the ones that pulled that together? No, no, no. This else? is like this is like an independent. This is actually part of like a national group, and so okay. there's the, these forty eight hour film projects happen throughout like throughout the country, yeah. in different cities, and okay. at different yeah. times. Uh, not all, I I don't assume all of them happen on the same weekend, but yeah, um, yeah, okay. So so what was the what was the most fun thing about this last weekend pulling that project together? It's just really how well the group jived together. Like yeah. there was. No stepping on toes. Like, everyone got along well. Everything was professional. Like, everyone was, you know, creative and suggesting ideas. And, uh-huh. uh, like, you know, we made, you know, there were some ideas that, you know, obviously, you know, were suggested that just, you know, weren't used. But, you know, a lot of stuff, like, we played with. Like, there was stuff like, you know, good ideas. And then, like, we fleshed them out to make them even better together. Uh, we kept our group small. Like, the, the core group was five people, which is basically the three actors um myself as the director and another person who was basically kind of like crew a screenwriter yeah yeah it seems it seems like like to me if you if you let your crew get too big now you have a more complex process because it really is a test of your crew's ability to process things quickly yes So they need to be pretty comfortable with each other. Can't have any problem children on the crew. Exactly. Uh, yeah, you know, and and everybody needs to work together quickly and easily. Have a good time doing that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The smaller, the smaller, the tighter your crew, like the faster you yeah. can go. It's like, and you kind of learn that from your own filmmaking yes, yeah. over the years. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah, I was like, I knew it was like I'm gonna keep my group small. Uh, keep, um, if, if the very least, like if you if you're one of those people that just you maybe have a lot of resources and right. everything, if you at least keep your brainstorming session, your core group small, right. Right. and then that's like it's fine if you have like extra hands to help out with the film, right. But if you keep like your writing group, you want to keep your writing group mm-hmm. small. That's a good way to start off. Yeah. Like maybe if you have like, say you have like ten people in your team, mm-hmm. 
kick five of them out, tell them, like, we'll see you Saturday or something. Yeah. We'll call you Friday yeah. where we, yeah. when and where we want you to be. Mm-hmm. And have, like, those, like, five people, like, write the script together. Yeah. Uh, if you have, like, a bigger crew. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, you know, that sounds just very wise there. I I have a long history of working with groups of people, and, and like, every single person who you add to a group process doesn't just add it by one it adds it by five or yeah. 16 or 20 exactly or it, like it yeah. adds your time exponentially right so. yeah 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 um so so then the process is that you go out and film you go out and film and 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 you do as much post as you have time to do on it post-production on it as you have time to and then you turn it in mm-hmm. by the by the end of the 48 hours yes then. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We, uh, we were, uh, one of the things I set out, you know, was to try to make it, you know, as least stressful as possible. So, like, we kind of blocked it down. It's like, all right, Friday night, we work on the script. Mm-hmm. Saturday, we shoot. We get everything done by Saturday. Yeah. And then Sunday was just edit. That was, that was our plan. That was our schedule. Yeah. And we, we worked really well on that. Uh, Saturday, we actually, um, because of the shots we chose and our subject matter and how creative we were, we were actually done shooting with like most of our film, like by five o'clock. Like yeah. we had like one little scene uh, that was kind of like um, I, I don't, I don't want to say what it was, but there was like one more shot we had to get, uh, which is like some a st- like a, okay, it's a flashback essentially. Yeah, uh, we had to use for the film, and that was like something we had to wait a little bit later because it was in the evening when this flashback happens. So we ha- so we basically did. We I read went- something about mosquitoes. Yes, there, one, yeah. One of your Twitter posts. You yeah, know. that was like the last shot. Like we basically we had dinner at Hideaway Pizza, yeah. and we kind of waited around. We kind of relaxed and chilled for a little bit. Which I don't know if any of the other groups got to like chill for like in between stuff like that much time right, we did. Yeah. And yeah. then we kind of went out. We got the last shot. We were trying. We had some issues with it, and like, we ended up like moving down a little further away from the one location I had picked out. Right. And we found, like, the perfect location was, like, perfect. But apparently we ran into, like, a whole bunch of, like, tall grass with a bunch of mosquitoes. <laughs> and we... And especially this year when we're all worried about Zika. Yeah. <laughs> so that's one of the... Yeah. So literally your crew gave blood yes. in, the, in that last scene. Right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, so, okay. And we were done, like, by 8 o'clock, which yeah. I don't know if, like, any other group was done filming that or as early as we were. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you guys were out eating or something. Yeah, like I was here. Other some groups were, were like, frantically running all over were town. Like until like to, midnight yeah. that night. It's like, man, <laughs> that's that's where production becomes a grind. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and that's called then the name of that film is called Guilt Trip. Guilt Trip. Okay, and and people can see these films at Farmers Market on Sunday, Sunday. afternoon. A uh, Sunday, uh, I. Uh, August seventh, is that right? This upcoming Sunday, yes. August yeah, 7th. this this upcoming Sunday, yeah. whenever that is. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, and um, yeah, tickets are only ten dollars, like yeah, fifteen dollars. Ha- yeah, four hours worth of. Yeah, the, there's yeah. like it's broken down into like three screening groups. Like right. I'm in group C, okay. but you buy you want if you buy one ticket, you get access to all three groups, of course. Yeah, yeah. But if you really want to come there just to see a, a particular couple of crews, you can figure out by yeah. just coming. You don't have to sit there all afternoon. Exactly. Like four hours. But <laughs> I've been told um, this is probably like not counting dead center is probably one of, one of the cooler screening yeah. events. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's a that's a good word. So that's called guilt trip. 
And uh, uh, that's going to be in the 48-hour film festival. Good luck on that one, Dennis. That's your latest project. Now, the one backing up on the timeline, Mm -hmm. the one before that, you just had a film come out on Amazon, right? Tell us about that. Uh, I released a a compilation video of 20 fun things to do throughout the state of Oklahoma that you can do in the summertime. Uh, Of course, you could probably do all of it any time of the year, but these are like things when you think of summer activities, these are the places you're going to think of. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all compilated from some of my segments because I do a weekly travel show on covering Oklahoma. Yeah. So majority of the film is just kind of like remastered and recompiled into this kind of this collection, 45-minute collection. So especially it's really great if you're not familiar, you've never seen any of my other travel works, any of my documentaries. That's like a good starting point to like kind of get into the loop. And, right. Yeah. and it's also good like a movie to show people like if like you have somebody like who's coming from out of state or something is not too familiar. He's like, hey, watch, go to Amazon, watch this. You can stream it for free with Prime or you can right. buy or rent it and mm-hmm. you can get kind of caught up and get a general idea of like yeah, things kind you want to do. Kind of a good, you know, just, just kind of a good rundown of things you can do in Oklahoma in the warm months. Yeah, right? yeah. exactly. And there's, yeah. there's everything from like thrilling outdoor adventures uh-huh. to like, you know, summer treats and... <laughs> So. Now, now, tell us about your weekly program. Now, that's, you know, maybe that's. Do you do you think that just being on that short of a deadline, you know, for video producing, you know, doing a weekly program, that you know, you learn. I get. I guess you learn how to be pretty efficient with that. Uh, yes, and with, with your planning and filming and all that kind of stuff. Right? I, I've yeah, I've gotten more and more efficient. I've kind of got it down to like almost like. A, like a math equation in a right, way. Yeah, yeah. Um, so where now I, to the point where I got like a regular schedule, like basically throughout, throughout the week I, I'm shooting videos, like right. depending on the business, the persons that I'm interviewing, right. their schedule. And then Wednesday is like my edit day. That's like the day I sit down and like I edit the video. And then Thursday is when I release them online. Right. Right. Wow. That is a tight schedule. I, I try to like keep to the yeah. I, I most episodes usually feature like two places, sometimes two, right. three or four. Um, mm-hmm. I try to keep the overall. The segments are fairly short. Yeah, usually around you know like five to ten minutes. Something you can easily enjoy like during a lunch break right. or you got yeah. some downtime uh-huh. and you get to learn about some cool people and places throughout the state. Yeah. Now, now I saw um, I saw District Up. Which is a film that you entered in Dead Center Film Festival. You had that. Yes. And world and, premiere there. Yeah, the world premiere at Dead Center Film Festival back here at the front end of June. Tell us tell us a little bit about what that, that was anyway. District Up was a is a feature length documentary that folks showcases um, how the Plaza District Film Row Western Avenue have revitalized themselves and it's just really a collection of interviews from people that have helped create positive change in their communities and as they share their wisdom to inspire others to do the same in theirs. Yeah. So it's, you know, it focuses on those three Oklahoma City districts. There's, there's interviews with people from H and A, uh, Heard on Heard, uh, some other events, uh, even some other more notable people, Mm -hmm. uh, Julia Kurt from Oklahoma for the Arts. She's yes. in the cut. She's she she, she dropped some. One, she was on one of our past episodes. Yeah, she yeah, yeah she drops uh, some advice. I had like another interview I'd done with her for the weekly show that didn't quite 
cut into the weekly show, but it's like, yeah. but what she said was so perfect for the documentary, so I, I put that into the documentary. <laughs> so that kind of helped a little bit, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. 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 Beautiful photography in that, Dennis. I, I just want to, you know, I'm, you know, I started off doing darkroom work mm-hmm. in my family bathroom when I was a kid and stuff like that. So I'm always looking at visuals. And uh, that, that was just really stunning photography. It was good filmmaking but it, you know the photography on that really showed the beauty of those old districts that have been revitalized and that's that's you know the visuals of those districts are really are really one of the real drawing points exactly right? yeah it's you know just kind of the, the looks of you know like the plaza district or film yeah. row just yeah. really set them apart and make them you know from like your standard like copy paste strip malls you know <laughs> Right. Something that an architect pulled out of a drawer that they had already done 15 times before. It's not that way for the districts that you covered. Yes. Right. Yeah. So the districts, again, which of the districts did you The, the three districts I focused on mainly in the film was uh, the Plaza District, yeah. Film Row, and Western Avenue. Oh, okay. they, each, they each kind of had their own unique story that I right. was trying to go after. Plaza, uh, you know, also had great, was more of a grassroots effort. Right. Um, and then you have Film Row, which went from being Skid Row, a very dangerous place, to now you know, the, the cool yeah. West End downtown area. Uh, yeah. And you have Western Avenue, which is like the largest district. Yeah. And how they, you know, kind of how that's managed. And, and each and each of those districts really have a very unique uh, kind of relationship with their visitors, too. Yeah, it's, yeah. The, it's so it's they're kind all of a different unique, experience yeah. in each one. Yeah, yeah you yeah. really can't. You really can't say you can't go to like the Plaza District and say this kind of feels like Western Avenue or something. <laughs> I mean, you can kind of like a little bit. Right. You can compare the murals or something, but yeah. yeah. Um, well, because you have very capable artists like yeah. Aaron Cooper and Amanda Bradway and people like that doing the murals. Yeah, and, and they both done yeah same places, but same the places, murals so. do not look at all alike. No. but done by the same people. Yeah, yeah. same same level of capability. Mm-hmm. So. Dennis, let's let's just talk a little bit about about your your creative process here. I noticed from your website you've written five books, you've done four movies and a weekly show, four short stories, and two games. Two yeah. games. <laughs> okay. When you what's it like to author? I've I've never talked to a game author before. Tell me tell me about your two games. Uh, there. Uh, technically, um, the, the the games is actually. It's technically three in one book, essentially. <laughs> okay. Uh, so basically, right. it's uh, packaged as like this movie murder mystery party. Okay. And there's 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 actually there's one main game which is like this movie themed mystery party. Yeah. And I was just basically I've never really done like a murder mystery party game before. Yeah. So like that that was really kind of interesting. It's like I've heard of them and I was like, how do these work? And I'm sitting here like kind of like brainstorming is like okay logically how would this work having not played any of these games you know like i know some of them have scripts and it's like i don't want my characters to have scripts so Mm -hmm. like how do you do this and how you work around this so and eventually uh you know through a couple play tests like i kind of figured something out and created this murder mystery game and then i also wanted to package two other little games with it so i did like another fun game where it's they're they're like quick little games that like five minutes or something you play with like a group of people yeah um, 
one of them's like all the inheritance and it's just more of like a little bit of a scavenger hunt type game. Actually, both the two other little mini games are like scavenger hunt games. Yeah. So now I can tell people, I know a game author. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, okay. So now tell me, tell us about your five, your five books. What's your, out of those five books, talk, talk about the one that you think has been your, your strongest product. Um, the, probably the one that got me the most prestige, probably the Date Idea books, uh, which was a series of basically collection of date ideas you can do throughout the state of Oklahoma. Okay. Uh, it started off like as a free ebook, um, and then after, you know, some time I added more and more content as I traveled more and more places. And yeah. And so that kind of dovetails into, into your, a full-blown book. Video, videography work. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've um, discontinued the date idea books in favor of doing, you know, other projects like yeah. District Up and well, yeah. my, my weekly show. I just... I couldn't do it, and it wasn't yeah. like it was prestigious, and it got me a lot of you know. It was like oh, that was, a lot of people said it was really cool, but I wasn't like it wasn't profitable enough for yeah, me to right. pursue that. Yeah, yeah. Books, books, and publishing, paper publishing are really hard to be profitable. A lot of people don't understand that. Mm-hmm. But it, that's paper and printing and all that is a very expensive process. Yes. So, so it it's hard to get a profit margin going on stuff like yeah. that. And is that what I mean? Which came first? Was it your your video travel program or the books? Uh, te- okay, technically what came first was Uncovering Oklahoma. Uh, when I started it seven years ago, okay. it was a supposed to be a video travel series for yeah. teens and young adults. Right. Because they're at the time, and they're t- still technically isn't unless you count me. Right. Um, it was a travel show that just focused on cool places in Oklahoma yeah. for that was kind of geared toward a younger millennial demographic. Right. Um, which uncovering Oklahoma does still fo- focus on that millennial demographic. <laughs> right. Uh, but it'll, uh, it's more open to like everybody. And that again, that was seven years ago. I was younger and, uh, I had actually, at that time I had like host and, you know, it was like more like a travel show, you know, yeah, the host and everything. Yeah. And, right. yeah. Uh, but there was like, you know, a lot of logistic problems with that, and you it's know, a lot of logistics. Yeah, it? there was. You know, trying yeah. to coordinate not only my schedule, the business schedule, but this other right. person's schedule, yeah. Yeah. our day jobs, and right. it was like we filmed like four or five episodes, and yeah, and we're like we're releasing like once a month, and not not nearly enough, and then <laughs> it just kind of faded into obscurity, and then it just like All right, I'm just going to write articles, and yeah, if I do yeah. a video, a case, like once every couple months, I do a video, yeah. About a place, like one yeah. place. So you started doing video series that led into a book series that led into a to another video series. Yes, right. so essentially that's kind of way it kind of progressed. Yeah, because then because mm-hmm. after a while, you know, I'd stop with the videos, and and then I went to uh, doing like a date book. You know, I was just thinking of some yeah. new ways to market right. myself because I had like date ide- like a date ideas on my website, and that was like right. one of the yeah th- things that according to you know my. Google searches and traffic that's like the number one thing people search for look look for yeah and if you just type in Oklahoma City date ideas I'm the number one thing on Google yeah all right well I want to kind of shift here a little bit and talk about something that I discovered on your website you have a thing on the on the about part this this isn't going to be embarrassing okay. Dennis Dennis is looking kind of worried here. <laughs> Like, you know, this isn't an investigation, Dennis. Uh, uh, but, but on that, it talked about, you know, a list of your favorite movies. And I noticed that there are two movies on your list of favorite movies that are on my list of favorite oh, movies which also. Two? 
Blade Runner and Fight Club. Mm. So let's talk about. It. I've been I've been wanting to talk to a filmmaker about those two movies for a long time. So let's let's just kind of close out the rest of our time here talking about that. Sam, I thought that there was a giant difference between the theater production of Blade Runner and the director's cut. I don't I don't know if you've heard if you've seen the director's cut. I think of I've Blade Runner. only seen the director's cut. Yeah. Okay. Well, I saw it in a theater, and it has Harrison Ford doing this constant narration. In the back, you know, just narrating all the way through. Um, so you get kind of caught up in, the, in listening to the narration. I didn't realize that until I watched the director's cut, which has no narration in it. And boy, it was, you know, most of the time when you look at a old oh, director's cut, here, pay $5 more for this director's cut. It has like one lame extra scene in it and a bunch of outtakes and stuff. You know, it's not worth it. This is, though, on the other hand, I understand. You know, from reading about that, that they that the director wanted actually had a fight with his producers over that, and wanted to leave the narr originally did it without narration, and 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 they showed it to some you know sample audiences and stuff, and thought they didn't get it, so they had Harrison Ford do this narration background, and so the, it to to me it seemed like two different movies. Yeah, I think that I I see that on a lot of lists where. Um, that was probably like one of the few movies that people reference is like where the director's cut is yeah. better than the theatrical yeah. cut well, so or a major difference. Yeah. Like uh, the another one that um, was also a big difference um, was like the butterfly effect. Oh, it had yeah. it had Ashton Kuster in it. Yeah. Which don't don't write it off just because he's in it. Because I almost did. It was like there was actually a pretty good movie. Right. Right. And that the director's cut ending was like whoa that that was that went dark. Yeah. Well, let's 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 just kind of talk about the meaning of Blade, Blade Runner there because that that came out you know during a time when people were kind of worried about technology and 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 about where we were going with things and this this is a time off in the future where these machines have been so or or these clones rather mm-hmm. been have been so well perfected that seem like humans and they even imagine that they have their own history. I mean history yeah. former history teacher so for me this is you know it was really captivating it's like these people are carrying these photos around and like then they then you find out that all of them have the same photos mm-hmm. they've all been given the same backstory life, yeah backstory and life history um uh, what do you what do you think about that about that part of the movie there about the the uh, exploring the difference you know asking the question what's human and what's not human even though you're talking about flesh, fleshly creations, mm-hmm. there, uh, it's we're going to live in a really interesting time pretty soon. You know, I think, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of shift away from like, you know, there might be some less shift away from like racial tension to yeah. like augmented humans. You know, like yeah. I think you know people with robotic arms might be like the next group that gets discriminated against. Right, right. You know, that people that are like part machine. You know. uh, yeah, you're right. So it might it might turn into that. That that movie really kind of explored those issues well before anybody was yeah, know, there's, thinking uh, about it. I can't I can't think of the name. There's also like this video game that's series that came out with one, and there's like one that's about to come out. It's like Dexus Mankind or something like that. That really yeah. kind of goes into that issue too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you What did you think? Just as a filmmaker looking at a film. Two of the two of the things that really distinguished Blade Runner for you, uh, the colors. Oh, okay. Colors was like the colors and um, a lot of the 
lighting uh, in yeah. general were like the biggest things that still kind of stand out to me. Yeah. Even though it's been a long time since I've seen it, just the, <laughs> uh, the visual, like the general visual aesthetics, like the color grading and the lighting that they did. Yeah. So let's shift over to Fight Club now. Mm-hmm. Fight Club yeah, uh, is where, I, I don't think I'm spoiling this for anybody. If you haven't seen Fight Club yet, mm-hmm. you know, you know, this this is you know almost everybody knows how the movie ends up. It ends up that that what the 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 audience and even the main character thinks are two characters is really him, two different parts of him, mm-hmm. and and so and so the whole thing is about manhood, masculinity, and and you know and about a loss of masculinity. And what did you as a filmmaker, what maker, what did you think were the two? most distinguishing things about Fight Club, just from the standpoint of film? Uh, I think more of it was the story for me on that one. Ah, really? That was more like the plot twist. It was like, you know, I was like, I didn't see that one coming. And yeah. also how they kind of showed things. And then if you watch it again, it's like, oh, okay, I kind of see that. And then yeah. I was even reading some other articles about it recently. It's like, there was like, there's even some like subtle things like that you wouldn't know unless you were actually reading or something. Yeah. Like there's like... um uh, one of the characters, you know, he's, he talks about how he, like in movies, like he cuts films to add basically something pornographic into them. <laughs> and apparently they kind of did that in Fight Club, except instead they of did, adding, They did it at the very end of Fight Club. They actually did did what the character had done. In there. Yeah. Except uh, what they did was um, actually instead of, uh, they actually add, uh, before the one character starts seeing the other character, uh, there was... He, like little splices of film where he sees that character for a second. You, yeah. It's so fast that you don't really know right. unless you like yeah. you're looking for it or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, you know, it's about somebody who spoofs mm-hmm. audiences, but you, the audience, are being spoofed in that mm-hmm. also along the way. Yeah. Tell me about the next big thing. Now, every time, every time I talk to creatives, I always like to end up, you know, end the show asking about that. What are you excited about right now? Where are you going next with things? The weekly show, I'm, I'm keep, I'm, I'm keep cranking that out. I'm kind of seeing where that that's going to take me. Yeah. Um, that might take me somewhere. Uh, and the weekly show might get bigger, or I may shift gears into doing. Um, you know, for all I know, I may end up doing like a national travel show. Yeah. Okay. So that that's that, that is an idea I'm toying around with. Like I don't want to talk too much about it because I'm like yeah. I'm one of those people that tries to keep things right. like close to my chest until it's like about to happen. Like right. my, that summer movie I released, like I kept that close to my chest. Yeah. I didn't like announce that until people really talk about it until it was done and was out there. And that's yeah, like good. when I. Because, like, you know, I don't know if, like, you know, when I was working on it, I was like, you know, I wasn't even sure I was going to have enough material to put together a movie. Yeah. So sure. I try to keep things right. like that close. So I don't, yeah. I don't really know. Yeah. Uh, but I do have books coming out, more nonfiction books coming out. Yeah. Are you still writing? Yeah. Still, still doing writing? creative. Yeah. I, I haven't, like, I released, uh, it was like three years ago when I released my fictional book, The Crashing of Heaven and Hell. Yeah. It was a, it's a sci-fi fantasy about this couple that gets kind of caught up in some crazy scheme by different gods and goddesses uh kind of like the sci-fi greek mythology vibe to it right as they try to like basically restore their planets like heaven and hell back to or natural order and i'm working on so that was like my last the, my last non-fiction book i'm actually working on i'm actually toying around i'm about to finish one book uh, it's called intertwined by cracks yeah. should be releasing sometime this year just mm-hmm. kind of it's more like in the edit final editing phase it's gone through three major revisions so it's like it's getting to the point where it's done 
Well, okay. So we're, look, we're yeah. looking forward to reading that. Dennis Spielman, thank you very much for meeting with me today and for this interview. You've done a great job in thank this you. interview, and it's really been fascinating to hear you talking about your process, and thanks for meeting with me. Well, thank you for having me. That concludes our interview. There are several ways for you to catch this weekly podcast. Go to our website at intersectionsok.com where you can subscribe, listen to episodes, read the backstory, and see photos of our guest. On iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and our Facebook page, we are Intersections Oklahoma. On Twitter and Instagram, we are Intersections OK. I always want to hear about the cool people in your life, so write to me. My email address is ideas at intersectionsok.com. Steven Tyler is our awesome production advisor, and I am your host, Brett Dickerson. <laughs>